We're finishing up our series today about having a meaningful life, living a meaningful life. And this story just really, it just hit me that, you know, this, this story just says so much and it just can minister to you so much. You know, it's interesting, you know, the book of Esther doesn't mention God one time throughout the entire book, and yet it's so powerful. And, and I kind of find that with this story that, that there's something meaningful in it for you and me to, to just grab onto. It's entitled, The Three Little Pigs. So just let it soak in this morning. It uh, might touch your life, all right? Once upon a time, there was an old mother pig. Old, it never hit me before, but an old mother pig. I wonder how old she was to have little pigs. And she had three little pigs and not enough food to feed them. So when they were old enough, she sent them out into the world to seek their fortunes. The first little pig was very lazy. He didn't want to work at all, and he built his house out of straw. The second little pig worked a little harder, but he built his house out of sticks. Then they sang and danced and played together the rest of the day. The third little pig worked hard all day and built his house with bricks. It was a sturdy house, complete with a fine fireplace and chimney. It looked like it could withstand the strong winds. The next day, a wolf happened to pass by the lane where the three pigs lived. And he saw the straw house, and he smelled the pig inside. Pigs stink. He thought the pig would make a fine, mighty meal, and his mouth began to water. So he knocked on the door and said, little pig, little pig, let me in, let me in. But the little pig saw the wolf's big paws through the keyhole, so he answered back, no, 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 not by the... Yeah. Then the wolf showed his teeth and said, then I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house down. So he huffed and he puffed and he blew the house down. The wolf opened his jaws very wide and bit down as hard as he could, but the first little pig escaped and ran to hide with the second little pig. The wolf continued down the lane and he passed by the second house made of sticks. And he saw the house and he smelled the pigs inside. And his mouth began to water as he thought about the fine dinner they would make. So he knocked on the door and he said, little pigs, little pigs, let me in, let me in. But the little pigs saw the wolf's pointy ears through the keyhole, so they answered, they answered back, no, 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 not. So the wolf showed his teeth and said, then I'll, and I'll, and I'll, you guys are awesome. So he huffed and he puffed and he blew the house down. The wolf was greedy and he tried to catch both pigs at once, but he was too greedy and got neither. His big claws clamped down and on nothing but air and the, or his jaws clamped down on nothing but air and the two little pigs scrambled away as fast as their little hooves would carry them. Whew, that was close. The, the wolf chased them down the lane and he almost caught them, but they made it to the brick house, and he sl they slammed the door and closed 
the, closed the door before the wolf could catch them. The three little pigs were very frightened. They knew the wolf wanted to eat them, and that was very, very true. The wolf hadn't eaten all day long, and he had worked up a large appetite, chasing the pigs around, and now he could smell all three of them inside, and he knew that the three little pigs would make a lovely feast. So the wolf knocked on the door and said, Little pigs, little pigs, let me in. Y'all almost got it. Close. But the little pigs saw the wolf's narrow eyes through the keyhole, so they answered back, No, 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 not by the... Man, you guys are good. So the wolf showed his teeth, and he said, Then I'll huff, and I'll puff, and I'll... He huffed, and he... And he... No, a little bit more than that. He puffed, and then he huffed again. And he huffed and huffed and huffed and puffed, and, but he couldn't blow the house down. You guys have heard this, haven't you? At last, he was so out of breath that he couldn't huff and he couldn't puff anymore, so he stopped to rest and thought a bit. But this was too much. The wolf danced about the ra- with rage and swore he could come down the chimney and, and eat the little pigs for supper. But while he was climbing onto the rooftop, the little pig made a blazing fire and put a big pot of boiling water there. And then just as the wolf was coming down the chimney, the little piggy pulled off the lid and plop, in fell the wolf into the scalding water. Isn't that great? Yes. So the little piggy put on the cover again, boiled the wolf up, and ate the wolf for supper. What? Isn't that just wonderful? (laughs) It's such an inspiring story. So today what we're going to talk about is making your life stable. Making your life stable. Choosing to build your life. You know, we've been on this series for quite a while, having a meaningful life. That when you look back on your life, you could, you're able to say, all right, I did my best, at least from this point to this point. I did my best. I, I gave it my best. And that's what we want. That's what you want. But it has to happen intentionally. And if you build your house with straw, if you build your house with sticks, it's not going to work. If you build your life with things that are easy to burn up, it it just doesn't work. That's a scripture, actually. That's a scriptural principle. Having acquaintances in your life isn't enough. You need real friends. Having pocket change in your life. It's not the best. Some of us have lived in that situation, right? The best is when we have enough not to just take care of ourselves and be stable, but to also begin to take care of others and be stable, to help others to become stable, right? And being alive isn't just enough. You and I need to work to live forever. And how do we work for that? We work on a relationship with God. We accept Christ into our lives, and and that's freely given, but then we work towards that relationship with Him so that we can have that, and we know that we've got that. Now understand, grace is how we get to heaven, amen? But then there's also the work that comes to having that relationship with Him. Having a place to live isn't enough. You need a family. You need people with you. 
going to church every now and then. It's not enough. You need to be on the kingdom of God's side. And let God's kingdom powerfully move on your side. And some, of, some of us grew up in anything but stability. Maybe your parents didn't provide a stable home. Maybe they didn't provide a stable place to live. Maybe there wasn't a lot of food to eat. And maybe they got divorced. Maybe they were drug addicts or something. And, and it, your life was, was a problem growing up. And you look back and there was stability is not what you would look at your childhood to be. Maybe they didn't take care of you. Maybe they didn't teach you. Uh, maybe they didn't discipline you. Some of us... Uh, your parents maybe were wanting to be your, your friend instead of somebody to actually teach you about life. That's not stability, right? So you grew up maybe not in stability, but let's, let's stop today and let's say, all right, now that I'm an adult, now that I'm in charge of what's going on in my life, with God's help today, I want to do something. I want to set a stone. You know, in the Old Testament, whenever there was a big decision to be made or, or whenever there was a big experience with God and they stopped and they they would say, all right, this is a big moment in my relationship with God, or this is a big moment in what God is doing with Israel. They would set up a stone, and they would write on that stone and say, all right, this from this day forward, this is what we'll look back on this stone and remember. And so today, what I want to challenge you to do is inside your heart, write on the tablet of your heart in stone and say, all right, on August 21st, 2022, I made a decision. This is my life. This is what my life is going to look like for the rest of it. My life is going to be meaningful and I'm going to make my life stable with all the tools that God has given me to have. Over and over in Scripture, the kingdom of God is described as stable. I want to read to you from the book of Hebrews, chapter 12. Listen to how this describes the kingdom of God. He says, you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You've come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant and to the sprinkled blood that speaks better, a better word than the blood of Abel. What is he saying? He's saying you've come to a solid kingdom and he continues and he says, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that what? Cannot be shaken, let us be thankful, and so worship God acceptably and, and reverent, with reverence and awe. He's saying, you and I have joined a kingdom that cannot be shaken. It is stable. Nobody's going to ever overthrow it. There's not politics involved. Woo! That's awesome. A stable kingdom, the kingdom of God. In other words, you invest your life in God's kingdom. And your life will be stable. That just makes sense, doesn't it? Y'all remember before COVID? Good memories, right? We had toilet paper. The shelves were full. And we thought life was stable in February that year, right? Everything was moving along. Everything was fine. We didn't have to stock up, just go to the store week after week, buy some groceries, buy toilet paper, anything we wanted to buy, we could find it. 
at every store. Do you remember walking in and what it felt like the first time you went in and went, whoa, everything is gone. Suddenly life wasn't stable anymore. Here's the challenge. Invest you. You invest you into stability. Now think about that family member who's struggling in life. You got them in mind? Think about their life. Why are they struggling? It's because they've always invested in the wrong things. They've invested their time. They've invested their energy. They've invested their their bodies, they've invested their money, they've invested in the wrong things of life. And what's the re- what does it yield? It yields destruction, doesn't it? And they're always struggling because why? They've invested in instability. They invested in wrong relationships. They've invested in uh, money and, and pleasure in the, their money into pleasure and things that just last for a moment instead of investing in the long term. Their time went to video games, maybe instead of education or growing a vocation and a job. They invested in the wrong things. Now, it, maybe that's somebody that's listening today. Maybe you've, been made, you've made the wrong investments in life and you're frustrated. Your life is kind of out of kilter and you're like, man, but I, I don't know where to begin. Well, let me say this. You have probably developed some faith that if you continue to invest in the wrong things of life, that you believe you're going to get the wrong things in life. Because why? You invested in the wrong things. So let's switch that. If you, if you invest in the good things of life, what will happen? The good things in life will begin to grow. And you can have faith in that. Jesus told a story called the parable of the talents. You remember that parable? He talked about three men, not three pigs, three men. And he said that the master gave these three guys a different amount of of, uh, talents is what they called it. And one he gave five, another he gave two, and another he gave one talent. And he went away and, and while he was gone, the two, the one that had five and the other that had two, they invested it and they built it. They doubled what, what the master had given them. And the third one, though, he was like, you know what? The master, he's a hard taskmaster. He's somebody that I don't want to trifle with. He's, he can be angry. He can be mean. And so I don't think I'm going to do this. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to hide this. So, so he went and he buried it, and he hid it so that he could be sure to present it back to the master. Well, when the master returned, what happened? The two had invested and they had doubled the amount. And he was like, wow, this is great. You guys wanted to please me. You trusted me. You believed that I'm a good master, that I would reward you for at least trying and trusting me that you could invest that. Well, the third one, he was like, man, I knew that you would freak out if I gave you nothing back. So I went and I hid it and I protected it. So here's the one that you gave me back. And boy, was, was he angry. And Jesus said, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. What happened? Why didn't you trust me? Why didn't you invest in me and know that I'm somebody that would reward you and reward you well? You say, well, John, I don't have a lot to invest. That's what Jesus was saying. This guy had a little bit and he expected him to invest even just a little bit, just a little talent, a little something. I don't have a lot to invest. I'm just going to stay out of the way. Let everybody else that has all the talent and all of the abilities, I don't have a lot. No, you've got something. You've got something. Listen, it may be true that you don't have much, 
But you do have something. And here's what you need to know also. God knows what you've got because he gave it to you. He knows what you've got. He knows what he invested in you. And he's expecting you to grow it. And here's the one thing that we've all been given. Time. We've all been given the same amount of time. You've got the same amount of time that I've got. What are we investing our time in? That's a good place to start. We've all got that, right? I remember when my kids, each time that they would start working, and I would go pick them up after their first, first day of work, I'd say, hey, how did it go? What do you think about it? And I'll never forget John Michael's first response. He said, man, it absolutely blew me away how much I could accomplish in just one hour. Boy, that is so true. That is so true. And, you know, it's so important for us to understand that we've got something to invest our lives into having stability in our lives. Start with your time. Where you invest your God-given resources in life determines how stable your life becomes. Your life is full of God-given resources, and where you invest it determines how stable your life becomes. I was talking to a lady that her son was invited to go to see a movie with some, some acquaintances, people that he didn't know very well, and he thought, well, I want to get to know these people. And he was struggling because, you know, he, he felt like he didn't have as many friends as he wanted to, and, and so, you know, he went to his mom, and he was like, hey, I really want to go see this movie with these people, but the problem is it's on, it's on the night that our youth group meets. Well, that's a problem. And she didn't know what to say to him. She didn't know what to do about it because, you know, he's got friends, some friends at youth, and he's got uh, people that are counting on him to be at youth for some responsibilities that he's got. So she didn't know what to say to him. He made a really good case, an emotional case to his mom, and so she wanted to talk to me about it. And I said, well, okay, I do have a principle that you can at least use, and here's the principle. If you don't commit yourself to the stable things in your life, the stable things in your life are going to go away. And teaching that son that is so important. The people that are stable in your life, the things that are stable in your life, if you don't commit to those things, if you don't invest yourself in those things, those things are going to go away. It's so easy for us to take for granted the people who are stable in our lives, isn't it? It's easy for us to take it for granted the, our parents. It's easy for us to take for granted our spouses, even our children. When they've, when they've grown up and become stable, it's easy for us to take those things for granted. Our church family, that's so easy for us to just say, well, you know what? They're always going to be there. They're always going to be there for me when I need them, and they're going to be there for other people. There's plenty of people to be there for the people that are going to show up, and it's easy for us to take that for granted. And the reality is God says, no. You need to commit yourself to the good things in your life, to the stable things in your life. Why? So that those stable things will be stable. They'll remain there. But do you realize that the only things that succeed in this world are the things that people commit themselves to? Oh, but if God wants it to happen, listen, God wants a lot of good things to happen. But guess what? They don't happen unless somebody does it. Unless somebody with skin says, yes, in faith, I'm going to do that, God. It don't happen. That means there are things that you commit yourself to that wouldn't be there without you. That also means that you're very important. You're very important. 
Listen, this church wouldn't be here without human commitment. Oh, but it's here because of God. Yeah? But it's here because you commit to it. And I don't know about you, but I would like this church to be here 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now. But it's only going to happen because we commit to it. Because you do. You make the difference. A relationship won't succeed without your commitment and theirs. Now, you can't force somebody to commit to you, can you? But you can commit yourself. And if it fails, you're able to look back and go, all right, I did my part. I was committed. I did my part to it. Listen, your business won't succeed without your commitment. The business that you work for will not succeed without your commitment. Your family won't succeed without your commitment. These are the things that we, we, we invest our lives in. They're stable, and they make our own lives stable. Listen, when people commit to whims, what do they get? They get whims. When we commit to whims, that's all we're going to get in life. We're going to get the whims of life. Some people never commit themselves to the stable things in life. And they're always on the hunt looking for something better. They never settle, right? They find something wrong with anybody and everything. After a while, maybe they'll go somewhere for a while and then they eventually find something wrong with it. And they never commit. They just keep finding one thing after another wrong with this person or that person or this organization, this church, that church, whatever. And eventually they find themselves in a life of instability and, and they're older. And it's sad. It's funny. We have people that visit this church that, that uh, they're coming in for a whim and they never commit themselves to a church family. They just come in to see what, I, what we've got to offer them today. And then they go and then they'll come back a couple of years later and just see what's going on and what can I get from this. And, and, and here's what's funny also. Every guest that comes in, they've got it in their mind what they're looking for to decide whether or not they should visit again. They, whether or not they're going to put their stamp of approval on it, it's, it's really interesting. Uh, they'll come in and they're looking to see what version of the Bible is he going to read from. Or, you know, do they believe in the baptism in the Holy Spirit? Which we do, because it's in the Bible. Amen. Thank you. Is he going to preach topical sermons or is he going to read line by line and explain the Bible? And some people decide whether or not they're going to go to church based, a church based upon that. Are there old people? Are there young people? Are there singles ministry? Is there, is there a pre, are they pre-trib, mid-trib or post-trib? You know, what do these people believe? And, and I understand some of these issues are there, but some of them, the scripture is not clear enough. So why are we so definitive on it if the scripture is not clear about it? You know, if we're going to fight about it, I'm not interested in it. Knock yourself out. Go read books or something. But let's be a church family and let's commit ourselves to one another in relationships. Do they have a choir? Are they going to have a choir? Do they sing the new songs? Or do they sing out of the hymnal? What are we going to do in this church? And, and whether or not I'm going to commit myself to it. There are so many peripheral things. And, and when you come in, you've got to decide, you know what I'm looking for? I'm looking for people who are eager and hungry to have a relationship with Jesus Christ and learn how to love me and I get to learn how to love them. And it has nothing to do with the songs. It has nothing to do with how the preacher preaches. It has nothing to do with whether or not we're going to go before the rapture, mid-rapture, or mid-tribulation. If we're 
before the tribulation, mid-tribulation, or after the tribulation. It doesn't have anything to do with that. It has to do with relationships. And it's our choice as to whether or not we're going to commit ourselves to something that is stable. And it's our choice as to whether or not we're going to make this something stable. It's your choice. That's important, isn't it? And sadly, this is the way people approach life, too. Just looking for reasons to not, not commit. Most famous sermon Jesus preached is called the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus was standing on the side of a large hill, you can just imagine. Just a beautiful concept. And he taught there for hours that day. Back then, they had long attention spans. You know, there's actually, in the scripture, there's an option, or a, there's actually a real passage that tells that the Apostle Paul was preaching so late one night, so long and so late. It was hot in the room, and one of the guys fell asleep out of the window and died. <laughs> that is in the Bible. They raised him from the dead, which is pretty awesome. Don't count on it around here, though. <laughs> so Jesus was preaching uh, Matthew chapter 7. He says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father is, who is in heaven. What's he talking about? Commitment. Relationship. He says, On that day... There are going to be people that walk up to me and say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Let me ask you, if you see somebody that says a prophecy and it comes to pass, wouldn't you just imagine that this person has a relationship with God? You would imagine it, right? But Jesus is saying here that that may not be the case just because someone prophesies. He says someone else is going to come up and say, we drove out demons using your name. If you see somebody drive out demons using the name of Jesus, you're going to assume that this person has a relationship with God. Apparently, that's not the case. That's interesting, isn't it? We performed many miracles. And look what he says. I'm going to tell them plainly, I never knew you. Relationship. He says, yes, my name is powerful and great things can happen in my name. But that doesn't mean you have a relationship with me. When you get home and you're laying in your bed, who are you talking to? What are you thinking about? When you wake up in the morning, who are you talking to? Are you saying, good morning, Father? How are you today? Well, I'm sure you're doing great. I need some help. Help me to move out of this bed. Most people are going to die in bed today. I need to get up and get out of this bed. Please help me. Who are you talking to? Relationship all throughout the day. He says, away from me, you evildoers. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and what? Puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. He's like that third little pig. Built his house on a rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. 
the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Jesus just didn't know the three little pigs story, did he? It's the same story, isn't it? So what is he saying? He's emphatically saying what matters to God is relationship. What matters to God is you and me committing to him. And saying, you know what, I'm not waiting for some other God to come out of the, the bush somewhere. I'm not waiting for someone to come up with some other God that's bigger and better or stronger. I'm going to settle on the God who created all that we know. And I'm going to trust Him and I'm going to believe Him. I'm going to get to know Him. I'm going to dive into that relationship with Him. And I'm going to understand the Bible as best as I can. And I'm going to work it. You know, the scripture says that it is up to kings. Kings search out the 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 uh, the. the, the you guys know what I'm trying to say. Kings search out the difficult things in life. They try to figure out the things that don't make sense. And they try and try and try to figure those things out. And he says, that's what I want to see my people doing. I want to see people who are committed to me in a relationship. And people who are trying to have this relationship with me in love. Then he uses this simile. He says, the person who hears and does what I say is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. If you simply do what I say, you hear it and you do what I say, your life is going to be stable. Those are the words of Jesus, not mine. That's what God says. And your house will be stable. Isn't that beautiful? Relationship. You see, the Jews were steeped in tradition, ceremony, religious celebrations, but God wanted more. He wanted relationship. And Jesus says, the person who loves me, the person who loves people, who does what I like, that person is going to be stable. Love is commitment to the stable life. God's way. That's love. You see, when you're stable and committed to the stable life, then you're able to be loving. What is love? Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, love is patient, love is kind, love is not envious of others. Love is not boasting about your your achievements, not letting pride drive you. Uh, you can honor others. You aren't self-seeking because you love. You aren't easily angered when you love. You let go of others' wrongs. You rejoice with truth. Truth. You protect, trust, hope, and persevere. That's love. That's a stable life. And your commitment to your stable life, the life that God provides for you, will bring a stable life. But until you commit yourself to his way, your life will be like the foolish man who built his house on sand. Remember when you were a teenager? Anybody ever do anything stupid when you were a teenager? A few of us. Who was the worst? I think John's got you beat, Matt. I don't know. I've heard John's story. I don't We've all been there. I mean, think about the girls you dated, guys. Yeah, some of you. <laughs> Ladies, the guys you dated, right? 
They weren't stable, right? They weren't the one. Let's just put it that way. Uh, We've all been there. Some of the friends you hung out with, I mean, some of the friends friends that I hung out with, I mean, they weren't stable friends. They weren't going to be lifelong friends. And you make life-changing decisions with those friends. I mean, I was jumping tires in the middle of the street without a helmet or anything, you know? I could have lost all my teeth. Why? Because of my friends, people that I would never know the rest of my life. Life-changing decisions because of those people in your life. You know, that was, I, I didn't realize, and, and, and at that time in my life, I didn't realize that the commitments that I would make in my life would make so much more of a, a, a difference in my life. I didn't realize, you know, I, I would go to church, I would go to the youth group, and, and, I, and I was there, and I looked committed. In fact, here's a picture of me. Someone posted, and I saw me in the background on this. Um, see me in the background? I've got my hand on my chest. <laughs> Yeah, I look interested, you know, I mean, you can hardly see my face in that, but, but that's me, you know, and, and I was on the front row and I looked like I was committed, but I look back at that and it was such a childish commitment and I think, man, I, I blew those years away not realizing how important a commitment was, how I, I would go to church and it was more about what I could receive and, and, and what was there for me and whether or not I was going to enjoy it and have a good time, as opposed to me going and trying to help people and trying to help my friends around me. And, and, and it was just a complete different focus in my life. And, and what I'm trying to say is when you grow up, you come to a place where you say, you know what, church is no longer for me. I'm for the church. Uh, life and friends, friendships, the stable people in my life is no longer about them being the stable for me. It's about me being the stable for them. And this is exactly what Paul was talking about in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. As he, as he introduced the love chapter in, in verse 11, he says, When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things behind me. I put those things behind me. And then he goes into love is. This is where adulthood is. This is where maturity is. It's love and it's stability. And he's saying, I had to decide to grow up. I had to decide that today I'm going to write on my heart, I'm going to put this in stone in my heart that today I'm going to invest my life in the stable life, God's life. James David, would you come? Earlier this year, we went through a series, and I want to read this passage to you again. Um, We read this over and over and over earlier this year, and this is so true. This is These are the the stepping stones to a life of stability. And we teach these in our turning point classes. I hope that you'll you'll join one when we offer these again, hopefully in the fall. 2 Peter chapter 1. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. What is he saying? You've got enough to start with. Even if it's just one of something, it's enough to start with. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature. 
having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. He says, you've got enough for your life to be changed here and now, for your life to become stable in every way. You've got it. You've just got to begin investing it in the right things. And I look around this room and I see people who have started doing that and it's just awesome to see the life change. He says, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith. Here are the steps. Faith is the foundation. Make every effort. You see that? What is that? It's commitment. Commitment. Investing. Make every effort. Put your time in it. Put everything you've got into it. Add to your faith, that foundation of your life. Add to your faith goodness. It means start doing life differently. Start living a better life. Start living on the good side of life. Invest your life in the good things of life as opposed to the bad things that destroy us, right? He says, add to your faith goodness. And then add to goodness knowledge. Go back and figure out why does God like this? Why doesn't God like this? Understand why God likes certain things and why He doesn't. Add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge. Why is this good? Why is this bad? Add to yourself some knowledge and then when you get some knowledge, you'll also be able to have self-control. So you add to your knowledge self-control and what does that mean? It means now you're going to be able to persevere. You're going to be able to go longer and stronger with good things in your life because why? Perseverance is just above that. I'm, now I'm living this. I've got self-control. Now I'm going to live this for a long period of time and I'm going to grow into the kingdom of God and begin using my gifts and my talents and investing my life into something that is stable, God's kingdom for a long period of time. And then he, then he says, add to your perseverance, godliness. This is, when, this, is, this is when you really turn a corner, and this is so awesome, because when, when you get to this place, after you've been serving God and living for Him and, and persevering for a while, suddenly the people around you look into your life and they're like, oh my goodness, I see God in you. God is doing something in you. God is starting to use you in a great way. I see godliness in you. And then you add to godliness mutual affection, which is brotherly kindness, right? We start just understanding, I, I don't have to be upset about everything. I don't have to hurt anybody. I don't, I don't have to get angry when somebody hurts me. I can just let it happen, and I can love them, and I can have brotherly kindness in spite of it. And then he says... You add to that brotherly kindness, that mutual affection, love. Oh, but I just naturally love John. I'm a naturally loving person. Really? Look at how difficult these steps are to work up to and to finally achieve love. Love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure... They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they've been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort. Come on, show me good effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will will never 
stumble. You will be stable. You will never stumble. And you will receive, look at this, man, this is huge. A rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Man, that's beautiful. So questions as we leave today. Have I really dedicated the rest of my life to God's stable I really dedicated my life to that. And am I investing in the stable people in my life? Where's your good effort going? An old friend of mine, he saw this at one point in his relationship with God, and he decided, you know what, I need to kick it up a notch. The people in his life, his family, his friends, people that he'd been hanging out with prior to really coming to Christ, they didn't care about his commitments. He'd made commitments to be at certain places to help people, groups, church. But these people didn't care about his commitments. And they kept saying, man, I need your help. I need you to help me move. I need you to help me do this or that. Hey, could you come over here and take care of this? And he kept getting all of these things, just trying to sidetrack him from his commitments. And finally, he stopped and he said, you know what? No, I'm not going to invest my life in that anymore. I'm making the commitments with the stable things in my life. God's kingdom. And it made all the difference. Stability in life takes focus. Here's another question. Am I investing my life in God's kingdom? Am I investing my life in God's kingdom? And here's what you need to remember. God's kingdom cannot be shaken. Can't be shaken. There's plenty of food at his table. It's stable. You can only imagine, man, I read the description earlier, thousands upon thousands of angels, and it is not chaos. When you walk into God's kingdom and you receive that heavenly welcome, oh, I can't imagine. I want to try, but what an amazing moment that's going to be. And I've said this many times, but I hope that you'll Use it as a visual in your heart. When you get there and you see all of that, you're either going to be very grateful or very regretful at the moment of what you spent your life here doing. And I hope when I get there, I'm able to say, oh man, thank God I made that life about this. And that's the invitation for you today. Because here's the reality. Your life will be better. Oh, yeah, it's difficult. Come on. You're hearing this from a guy that just lost his wife. How can I say this? Because I know without him, 
my life would be a lot worse. At least I know and can trust that there's going to be purpose, (laughs) that somehow we're going to be able to look back on this and go, all right, look what God did. Look what God did, and we can trust Him, right? And it's true for you. No matter what you face, no matter what you hit, no matter what roadblocks you come up against, invest your life in the stable. To be honest with you, I don't know where I'd be if we hadn't done that in our lives. Through the years, my kids and me, that's where we've invested our lives, in the stable. I, I look back and I think, how in the world? How in the world were my kids up here singing two weeks after she passed? How, how in the world did I get up here and preach two weeks after she passed? I have no idea. But I can tell you, the stable is what happened. Put your life on that, and you'll be healthy and stronger than you could ever imagine. So today, maybe you need to set that stone in your heart and write on it. Would you bow your heads? Where's your time, your energy? Your emotions, are your emotions caught in the past or are you moving forward? Even your finances, every part of your life, what are you investing in? Is your life becoming more stable or is it falling apart? What investments are you making? Well, John, I don't have much. I can tell you this. You have something, and God knows it. And He wants you to take a risk with it. He wants you to invest in the good side of life. Some of you, man, all of your money and time has gone to an addiction, it's time to shift that to the good side of life. It's time. Right on the tablet of your heart today, August 21st, 2022, my life is changing. Today, I decide my life is going to be stable. In Jesus' name. Father, thank you so much for what you're calling us to. We know and believe you're our God. And there are decisions being made right now to embrace a different life, to do things differently, to live in a relationship with you, to get to know who you are, what you like and what you don't like, and accept you into their lives and say, okay, God, I want to live for you and I want to accommodate for you living in my life. And God, today I decide my life is going to be invested in something that matters, that's meaningful. I'm going to invest the days of my life, every ounce of my energy as much as I can into something that matters, into people that, God, I I should invest my life into, and most importantly, into you. 
And God, I thank you. I thank you for this opportunity. And I ask you, Father, for strength and courage and wisdom to know how to do so. In Jesus' name. Maybe you're here today and you've accepted Christ into your life. Just want to give you an opportunity to tell me, yeah, John, that was me. I accepted Christ into my life today. It's a new day, a new beginning. Right where you are, just look up at me until my eyes catch yours. You gave your heart to Christ today, all right? Anybody else? Anybody else? Amen. All right?